Seabreezes Women Council. Today we have with us Ms. Zoe Frago. Hi, Zoe. Hello, everyone. Hi. Thank you for having me over. Thank you for coming, Zoe. Zoe is an organizational psychologist operating professionally in the full spectrum of her science. She takes over projects of cultural transformation, employee training and development, executive and team coaching, public speaking and writing for both private and corporate clients globally. And something which I adored from her website is that she considers herself a mover and a shaker. And she loves spreading inspiration and building momentum in people's lives. Zoe, welcome. Hello, thank you again for having me. I'm looking forward to these and yeah, let's try to inspire as many people as possible. Great. Okay, Zoe, in a time where everyone is talking about leadership and the five C's of leadership, the importance of a leader to inspire, communicate, lead and create a vision for his or her subordinates, is there a dark side to all of this leadership? And could you tell us a little about it? Of course, actually, in fact, and it's very interesting, there is entire chapters in literature about the dark side of leadership. There is this chapter that we call the dark triad of leadership. And basically it has to do with three psychological traits that we find together so often that they actually create what we call a factor, a factor of psychological traits. So one of these traits is narcissism. The other one is Machiavellianism. And the third one is psychopathy. So as a matter of fact, these three traits together, which we call the dark triad, are very, very often in leadership positions. And the higher you go in hierarchy, the more possible it is to find people that are dark triad leaders. Okay, meaning that for someone to be a dark triad leader, they have all three of these qualities. Yes, when we talk about a leader that is a dark triad, they have all these three traits. However, of course, there are people that might be just narcissists and they're not necessarily also psychopaths and Machiavellians. But in general, those three traits, they correlate very, very highly. That means that if you are a narcissist, it's also very, very possible that you also score high in psychopathy and in Machiavellianism. And the same thing goes for the other two traits. Are those three things available to identify due to uh, during a psychometric test or during the, uh, an interview in an organization, let's say? Well, I'll tell you, in theory, yes. But you need to understand that these people that are so high functional and they score so high, they also know how to leverage the tests. So obviously, it's very easy for them to reply in the correct way. And that's why we don't have any particular data that are active as to how many they are. Uh, but yeah, there are ways. Like if you know its trade and what it represents and what it means, then it's easier for you to track the behaviors. So if you like me, I can go deeper into the traits. Sure, we would love to. We'd love to, sure. Okay, so I will start with the narcissists because it's also the most common. And what I don't like is that people they have a completely misrepresentative idea about what a narcissist is. So usually they think that someone who is very arrogant or someone who is overconfident and they believe too much in themselves, most of the times you'll hear others say, oh my God, such a narcissist. But that's not true. The narcissists are not about uh, feeling very good about themselves. They're about insulting others and making others feel very bad about themselves. So it's not just this one element that I am the best. It's I'm the best and you're nothing. You deserve nothing. 
And I don't, yeah. So basically when you work with a narcissist, your self-worth will be damaged. Your uh, self-knowledge will be damaged. Your self-love will be damaged. And they tend to burn out everyone they work with. They turn to really be hurtful and very, very manipulative as well. Now, when we talk about Machiavellian, Machiavellians, it's coming from the Machiavelli. He, he was an Italian uh, leader and he wrote the book, uh, The Prince, which is very interesting about strategy. And basically Machiavelli's motto was whatever means necessary. So when we're talking about Machiavellian leaders, we're talking about the people that will stop at nothing in order to gain what they want. Uh, they will achieve their goals, no matter the cost, and the other people literally don't exist for them. And then we have the psychopaths, which is basically very close to Machiavellians. It's completely psychopathy, like there is a lack of empathy, there is lack of emotions, uh, they don't understand human emotions. Sometimes they can mirror them, but they don't really experience humanity the way we do. The main difference between Machiavellians and uh, psychopaths is that psychopathy is actually a gene. Therefore, it's a condition in which you are born with. While Machiavellianism is a behavior that you decide to be this way. Let's put it like that. It's a modus operandi. I choose to act this way. I could act in a different way. I could learn. I could be trained to act in a different way. But it's my choice to be a Machiavellian. While psychopaths, they are like that since the day they were born. Probably you've heard of uh, children that torture little animals. And yeah, so that's what we talk about. And another thing that I personally find very interesting, and therefore I would like also to add, is that people falsely believe that the dark triad has zero emotional intelligence. And as a dark triad, that's true. Like a dark triad leader, indeed, they score really low in emotional intelligence, EQ. But the narcissists and only the people that are just narcissists and not also Machiavellians and psychopaths, they actually have a significant emotional intelligence. And this is how they can be so manipulative. This is how they can hurt other people. Because if they didn't have any emotional intelligence, it would be very difficult for them to make other people be so insulted and so sad. And, yeah. Amazing. How, um, how does these um, situations affect employees, leaders, and finally, the organization? Okay, employees for starts. Well, the dark triad employees, like I already said, they're very high in uh, burnout rates. Uh, their retention is very low. Usually they're, they're also very successful in the work. Like imagine it like that. When they work with the dark triad leader, they give everything they have because the dark triad leader, they squeeze them. Okay. So on the one hand, they give everything, but then of course they empty themselves. So very, very soon, they need to be replaced. And that's how the dark triad leaders uh, behave towards other people. They make them feel expendable, like next, 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 you're done, next. And it's never about creating relationships with them. It's always about what I can get from you, for how long can I get it, then I don't care, you don't exist. There have been many movie representations of dark triad. And my favorite example is uh, in... Um, Devil Wears Prada, 
if you watched it, Miranda, the Meryl Streep character, yeah, Meryl that's Streep. exactly. She was a dark triad leader. She didn't even know the names of her assistants. They didn't exist for her. She would do anything in order to you know, get what she wanted. And uh, so, yeah, as you can imagine, it's very, very bad for the employees. Now, for those people per se, the dark triad, well, that's how they live their lives. Mm -hmm. Very recently, uh, a journalist approached me to consult her because she's writing a book. And it's about, like, a, I think a psychiatrist and uh, she has a narcissist patient. And she asked me, tell me a little bit about the narcissist. So the first thing I said to her is, how did he end up there? Because narcissists would never go to a shrink session on their own. Never, never. So when we talk about dark triad leaders, don't expect that they want to change. There's no way they want to change. They, they believe that everyone else is the problem. Everyone else has to change. Mm -hmm. They're great and they're very successful and they can be successful throughout their lives. And basically that's what's um, motivating them. And at the same time, it's important to understand this. You would never find a dark triad leader in environments with uh, no measurable and specific KPIs. So these people would never be, I don't know, working in a kindergarten or be professors or teachers. They would probably be in sales or accounting or like financial, something that it's very clear Absolutely. that I have the power, I bring the money, or I, I hold the clients, I hold the accounts. Measurable. Wow. All right. Yes. Uh, but here it comes another uh, question. We nowadays we are talking about corporate culture change. So definitely this type of uh, leaders that are also employees, uh, it sounds like they do not um, support. Uh, they are they are they are um, a barrier in this uh, culture change. So, what when an organization has um, um, a business owner has decided to uh, to go to, to to go the steps to the organization change the culture change? I mean, and there are um, barriers like this one. How how is he able to recognize that something? like this is happening that uh, keeps him back uh, in order to achieve the goals of the uh, of this change that he wants to bring to his organization or here. Mm -hmm. Okay. I will tell you three things about that. The first is that, like you already mentioned, uh, I'm an organizational psychologist. I also have private clients. They come to me for uh, soft skills training or for their own professional issues. And we work together to solve them. So the fun thing is that up to this day, I think not even once, one person has come to my office and tell me I need to change. There is this thing that I'm doing wrong. Now, everyone comes and in the first two, three, four sessions, they're all about my boss is doing this thing or my, my colleagues or my subordinates. So first of all, the people that you, and, and usually even, the, especially the people that should be the first one that need to change are the last one to understand that they need to change. Okay. The second thing is that uh, they know, employers always know, management always knows. If you go now to any company in the world and you tell them, oh, do you know what? This manager is a dark triad manager and 
they're very bad with the staff and that's why you have such a low retention. Of course they know. The problem is that most of the times they don't know how to manage it or they're not in a position to manage it. Because like I said, these people, they have very specific measurable results. So usually they will be holding the biggest accounts in the company or the biggest clients. Therefore, if they leave, they take all of these clients with them and then all these jobs that we're discussing and all these employees that we're trying to protect, well, their uh, jobs will be lost okay. if they leave. And then the third thing is that culture change is probably the most difficult thing you can do in an organization. Mm -hmm. Culture change projects have over 90% of failure rate. And from the 10% that achieves some culture change, 90% don't achieve the goals that they set when they design the culture change. So they actually have to change their goals during the process of change. So why, why all this uh, um, discussion and all this effort for organizational mm -hmm. change and culture change and all this change thing? Because it's a wonderful disclaimer. When right. you start saying that I want to change and oh my God, changes are good, then perfect. You've covered yourself. You've done everything you need to do. You said that you're all about change. So you don't actually have to do the change. Change. Wow. <laughs> I mean, we talk about change. I'm the first one that talks about change, but have you seen any change? Not <laughs> really. <laughs> like it with so much commitment. I've run by now, um, I'm on my sixth culture change project mm -hmm. and thankfully uh, five out of five of them are, are very successful they've moved on but with extreme commitment from everyone and with the management being the first ones to lead by example and to be the first ones to change and the one project that didn't succeed which was in my in the beginning of my career mm -hmm. basically they didn't really want to run any change what they wanted is to be able to say that, oh my God, look how many things we're doing and it's so nice and we're doing all these things for our staff, but they didn't really care to change. Okay, that's interesting. Maria, what is, uh, I think I, I, it looks like I, you have a question there. So I have please. a question. I'm thinking of the, of the dark triad. Uh, so if I understood it correctly, they bring results to the company, but not to the employees, right? Uh, yes, exactly. The, they do. Like the employees are very successful for the brief period before they burn out. <laughs> okay, so, so up to a point, they can be very successful, but then they burn out. Okay, but in the, so in the long run, the psychological effect on the employees is bad. Yeah, and traumat traumat traumatizing, and it might even lead to depression if left untreated. Okay, so it, it is possible for, say, a business owner or a company, talking about big companies, to have identified that there is a dark triad leader, but because he brings results, they put on the scale, what's more important, the financial results brought or the psychology of the employees? That's, that's exactly what happens. Otherwise, they wouldn't exist. If they didn't have management support, we wouldn't have, if tomorrow everyone says we don't want to have dark triad leaders anymore and we really support mental health in the workspace, then that would be done as an issue. But they are so successful and then bringing... And at the same time, I'll tell you an issue that I have with my work, okay? Because I work with uh, global leaders all over the world. How do you tell to someone who's making millions or billions that they're doing something wrong? Oh. How do you explain to them opportunity cost? That, okay, yeah, what you're doing, it's working, but if you did it that way, it could have been worked even better. That's the most difficult part of the job. 
what you mentioned employee retention, which is something very tangible, very obvious. There is a tourism company. So that could be a result of that leadership. I had read something about charismatic dark triad leader. How is that possible from a psychological point of view? How is it possible for someone to have psychopathy and narcissism and Machiavellianism and be considered charismatic as, as a human being, not only as a leader? Oh, they're, yeah, they're very, very seductive, actually, because they are so manipulative and because they are so easy to be passive aggressive and to influence people and they're used to be influential. Uh, they can be very seductive, actually, and uh, they know that. So they play on their strengths and ignore their weaknesses. And at the same time, most of, most of us out there, we are trained to seek for approval by people that don't give it to us. So endless people out there are addicted to rejection. And these pet right. people, direct tried leaders, are programmed to always reject. Therefore, this psychological mechanism is the most common one. Like in Greece, we call it the, the stamp. I tried to explain it my international clients and they're laughing. Like the more, how like the stamp, you, the more you spit on it, yeah, the more you it like sticks it. better. <laughs> exactly. Like you, you spit it and it sticks. And same is with people. The more you spit on them, they stick on you. So that's how dark triads end up being considered uh, charismatic. So do they reject their employees or do they always state that there's a one more can do? Like they just raise them towards a goal, which is they never reach. Well, whatever it works, whatever it works, they're chameleons. They can't change their behavior in seconds with the same person or from person to person. There's no rule. There is no sense of morality or empathy. Therefore, basically, they can do anything in order to get the result. If with you, rejection works better, they will be rejecting you. If with Spires, what works better is uh, insulting him, that's what they'll do. And if with me, what's working best is to always tell me, oh my God, you're so pretty today and uh, what a nice thing you did with your hair. That's what they'll do for as long as they need me. And then moving on to the next one. Okay, so overall, they're highly intelligent people. If they have the ability to be chameleons and to identify basic human needs and to be able to change your behaviors to each individual, they're quite intelligent. Able to do that. So. Well, they have to, yes. Otherwise, we wouldn't talk about dark tried leaders. If they're not intelligent, they're not becoming leaders. They end up in prison. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. I'll tell you another example. So, I have this uh, client. She's in uh, Broadway and she's a dancer. And another dancer actually tripped her. So, she would break her leg so she couldn't dance and she would take her spot on the scene. That's, that's a dark triad. Yes, that dark triad. That's pure psychopathy. A normal, healthy, mentally healthy individual would never even think yeah. to engage in a behavior like that. It would never be approachable. It would never cross our minds. Wow. And that's just based on competition. I mean, two dancers, how much leadership is there in that? But the competition to gain the first role. Yeah, but like many, wow. many dancers are competing for the same thing, but not all of them trip their other dancers. That's where you find these special traits and you understand the difference. It's like the same thing they ask me about many things, like burnout, for example. If a company is toxic, will people burn out? Well, a company can be toxic, but then if 200 people are working there, not all 200 people are going to end up with burnout. So, of course, it has 
it has to do with us as well and how we are as well. Very interesting. Um, I have people trying to come in. Should I allow people to come in? Shall I admit people that are coming in late? Sure, no worries. No worries. Um, so, Zoe, what are the solutions? Uh, what uh, what someone can do by the time? Uh, let, let's assume that um, there's someone that is listening to what uh, you are sharing with us today. So he's going or she's going the next day to her job, to his job, and uh, he starts identifying these traits. So what, what are the solutions? What uh, people that are uh, receiving this kind of behaviors can do? Okay. Two solutions there are. The one I recommend and the one I don't recommend. The one I recommend is run like the wind. Other people's red flags are not an invitation to engage. They are very clear signs that you need to stay away and do the best for you. And this is something that pop culture has brainwashed us with. Like we see all these super toxic film people in films, like I don't know, like Twilight. He's a vampire and everyone is running behind him, although he literally says, I'm gonna kill you, elected blood. And this is how we're being trained by finding people that are objectively dark triad like narcissists, psychopaths, or Machiavellians, and then we try to change them. Or we think that we are reviable in their own situation, that if we do something different, or if we behave in a certain way, or if we change something, then they will adapt, or they will care, or they will change their behavior. But that's never the case. These people are not going to change. They're incapable of change because they have zero motivation. They have zero reason to change can you understand i'll tell you something that's gonna sound it's a little bit of an unpopular opinion but i've been thinking about lately being a cold blood killer is the closest thing we have as a society to a superpower think about it like if you didn't care at all about repercussions and anything and you just killed anyone that got in your way how many things would you do in this life anything you wanted so if someone is like that why change that because why so that's the one case run go find another job do something else don't engage and save your mental health or if you necessarily have to stay because it's an amazing opportunity and you can't find anything like that or you really need the money and i don't know don't engage you need to be the opposite of the stamp you need to know very very in a very calculating a strategic way you need to know what you're doing and that's all. Like I go there, I do the job because I have to do the job because I need experience, the, the network, the money. And no matter what happens there, it stays there. I don't take it with me. I don't engage emotionally at all. So is, is it the, the, isn't there the danger uh, of the person to, to repeat this behavior to his or her next position if or when he applies the... Uh, solution that you just proposed i don't think that people are uh, at this uh, influential at this point like right now you work with a psychopath and you weren't the psychopath before but you became a psychopath because of you so you need to have it in you these are excuses <laughs> you need to have it in you if you don't have it in you you won't uh, you won't end up being manipulative and machiavellian 
And normal people, like I said, and average people, they don't engage in this kind of behaviors. A good example is Steve Jobs. Like Steve Jobs is a classic example of a dark triad leader. He stole from his friends. He was misleading them all the time. He was taking credit for other people's uh, work. His own daughter, he refused to recognize her. He made her have, I think, like three or four uh, DNA tests. And the DNA tests were coming back as 99.9. And he still refused to recognize her as his own daughter. And he was saying, well, there's always 0.01. Why would this man change in any way? And also, who else would see that and say, that's a nice way to live my life. <laughs> I don't have it in me, but uh, I am inspired now. So that's what I'm going to do from now on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, according to your experience and uh, your knowledge, uh, is are there the results uh, different uh, when comparing, you know, uh, the um, uh, high risk industries? When these things happening in high risk industries, uh, are there different uh, um, effects comparing with uh, uh, kind of no normal corporations? Well, what I've seen is that, uh, and what data actually show is that dark pride leadership flourishes in uh, the army and in tech mm -hmm. and pharmaceuticals. Basically anything that has to do with very clear hierarchies where no one can challenge you and anything that has to do with innovation and searching for the idea and having to find the idea. And it's easier also to manipulate people when you put in front of them a vision that's clear, like we need to achieve this next, it's for a bigger goal, this is the next bigger evolution. So that's where you find it more uh, frequently. I have a question also, but more on a personal uh, employee level. Uh, so can an employee, if they isolate the traits of the drug triad leader, can they thrive in their work environment? Well, it's a very high, high energy, high paced and successful environment. The dark triads, the, the thing that they do is that they run their departments in a very successful way. So if an employee actually manages to not get influenced and be there just to be there and do what they have to do without engaging in any personal way, then, well, they will create a very good CV, but it's very difficult. Okay, now... Another thing came to came to me. Uh, if I am an employee, I can definitely follow the guidelines you previously shared. So I'm going to uh, I'm going there. I do what I have to do uh, for any reason of those you uh, refer to. But what in case I am a, um, a leader too? What if I am uh, a co-worker of? Uh, I am the manager of the sales department and. Uh, this guy with the characteristics that we are discussing today is the manager of the accounting department. Uh, like I said, they're very, very seductive. Therefore, they know how to pick their fights and they know which person to befriend and how to work. So usually if you are someone that they need, you're going to be okay. <laughs> they're going to treat you very, very nicely because they need you. If you are someone that they don't need and you create issues for them, they're going to find a way to have you replaced. Okay. They run the place. They're not, they're like a main character vibe. <laughs> they're not a tree in the background. When a, a person, 
Yes, imagine that uh, we talk for Apple and still the only name that comes to our mind is Steve Jobs. Jobs. And it has been endless years. He's dead now and there have been other people. He wasn't even an engineer. He didn't actually create any tech. He was just an entrepreneur. He didn't even create the, anything actually. But then when we think about it, our mind always goes to him. <laughs> so it looks like um, it sounds uh, not it looks it sounds like a, a big barrier an obstacle to um, the people who are working with organizations uh, in the operational excellence uh, field what do you think on that how what is your experience on that if any uh, what do you mean by operational excellence in particular? you know uh, I'm talking uh, mainly to for people that are held positions like project managers that they are implementing you know Lean Six Sigma Scrum Agile Safe mm. Agile uh. operational excellence programs mm -hmm. Uh, in order to help an organization to thrive and uh, uh, become better, to save money in order not just to gain money. Yeah. So in this procedure, because there are two things that are involved, there are the interactions between human and humans to humans and humans to machines. So it, it sounds like when uh, things like uh, these people like this are involved in the procedure, the, the whole thing becomes much harder for the people who are responsible to go through these um, operational excellence um, procedures? Well, I'll tell you, I think that if anything, it's harder for uh, people like me that they bring on to because they want to increase, I don't know, pro uh, not productivity, but job satisfaction or mental health or equality. While for people that are there for operational excellence, they always have the KPIs to go back to it. And they can always say, you know what? This is functional, it's working. Therefore, they're very successful, but everything's okay. You don't have to do anything. But then when you bring an organizational psychologist inside and you say, I want, it, I want them to be trained and I want them to be better, then what do you do? How do you prove your job if you have such an obstacle there? Okay, makes sense. Awesome. Uh... It is huge uh, and uh, definitely we cannot cover any aspect uh, in, a, in an episode, in a, in a talk like this with you today. So, uh, Joy, where and how can someone find you? Becky. <laughs> Hello, does Irene have a question? Is Irene eating? No, okay. Uh, well, I'm a millennial, so you can find me anywhere. <laughs> I'm very active in social media, especially my LinkedIn profile. Feel free to text all your questions, and I will be very glad to continue the discussion. At the same time, I have a brand new website, so www.pragu.zoe.com. So feel free a to wonderful website. I love your website. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I would love to hear from you. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, this was Zoe Fragu. Uh, information you, about her you can find on the description below this uh, episode. Zoe, thank you so much for accepting uh, the invitation to join us in this first try, in this uh, first episode. Uh, Maria? Zoe, thank you very much. It was, um, I, have, I still have questions. I will be contacting you <laughs> to have some questions solved. Thank you very much for coming. It's really a pleasure to meet you. Uh, thank you for inviting me. It's a great honor to be your first, the first guest for the first Women's guest, Council. Yes. And I only hope uh, that there will be many, many more episodes where we can meet more interesting women. 
Thank Take you. care and very much.